live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It's day two this week. I guess it wasn't a train wreck yesterday, so they said, you know what? You can come back. Jim's still off for the whole week. We got the New Year's celebration this weekend, so quite honestly, maybe they couldn't find someone else. People just getting geeked up, ready to, to rock and roll this coming weekend. By the way, am I the only one... It, Someone had made reference to 2024 uh, the other day, and I, you know, they were talking about something in the future, and it dawned on me. I was like, hold on, what year is this? I don't know if that means I work too much, didn't know what year it was. I, I hedged for a second. I was like, no, 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 it's it's going to be 2023, right? Uh, it was one of those deals. I, maybe that means I need a day off, but I can't take a day off when someone asks me, hey, you want to fill in for Jim? Yeah, ready to go. Mike, I'm with you once again. It is two days in a row for me. It's the third time I'm doing the show. If you are new to the uh, experience with me sitting in the big chair, uh, work for NFL Network, hang out in those studios, which means we're going to a whole lot of NFL coverage today, not to mention a little bit of a background over the last 10 years or so, 10 plus years, I guess, doing a lot of college football. And of course, I know we're focused in on the NFL postseason, which is around the corner. But, yeah, there's actually some college football playoff games. We will be diving deep into some of those matchups. Uh, one of the cool things about doing this show, and it's not like I don't talk to friends uh, that often, but I actually get to call them and then lean on them and say, hey, can you do me a solid? Would you mind coming on the show with me? A couple of those guys. Uh, <laughs> There's a couple of those, although we don't have as many laughs as that group of friends typically had when they were doing their shows. Bobby Carpenter, good buddy of mine. He's going to be stopping by, actually coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Dialed in, obviously, on Ohio State. Bobby and I get to do some college football work together occasionally. So we'll do the landscape of the CFP. Some interesting developments, too, stemming from the Big Ten Conference, which we'll get to in just a bit. EJ Manuel, a first-round, a former first-round pick by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, works for ACC Network. Another guy I get to do some college football with. We'll sprinkle in a little talk about Josh Allen and his squad, but we'll also dive in deep with him when it comes to what we're going to see tomorrow. Uh, so EJ is going to be joining us a little bit later. More NFL coverage. John Breach is going to be stopping by. And then from The Athletic, Max Olson, who is their national college football writer, a little bit more of a preview of what to, to get. Yesterday, I know we spent a lot of time talking about the MVP. We spent some time talking about uh, what was going to happen last night on Thursday Night Football, which we'll get to in just a bit. We got some great responses on who you guys think should be MVP. I made the case for Jalen Hurts. I was asking a couple of our guests. It seemed like it was fluctuating between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it still goes down that path, but would love to hear from you guys. I made reference to the fact that it's, you know, we're on Mahomes. Mahomes, yes. Yeah. Who, by the way, is just so damn good. Uh, so I get why he is the Vegas favorite to go and win the MVP award. But because it's New Year's, we all have our New Year's resolutions. I know the typical one is get to the gym. For me, I, I, I go. Like, that's not a thing for me. Like, that's my, my outlet, my mental deal. I need, like, an hour, like, no phone, no nothing along those lines. Like, like just get after it here. I can't help but notice, though, as I'm getting a little bit older in age, I'm 41, that some of my suits that I've been wearing on NFL Network feeling a little bit more snug. I say it's because I'm, I'm – <laughs> bulking up I don't know how true that is so if you got a sports New Year's resolution would love to hear from you I was thinking about that last night just some things that as a sports fan 
I should be a little bit more mindful of. So I will share some of my sports New Year's resolutions throughout the show. You can tweet at me at Mike underscore Yam. And of course, you can hit up the show Rome at haveatake.com if you want to send in some of those emails with some of your responses. Would love to hear from you. I was asking our crew here, too, to come up with a, a few. I came up with three that I think are are pretty good. But knowing the amount of messages that I've gotten the last two times I've done this show and knowing the fandom around, you know, Jim's fan base, like you guys are going to be way more creative than than I am. So do encourage you once again at Mike underscore Yam. Uh, I said this yesterday on the show. Some concerns about the Dallas Cowboys, a, a little bit here and there. I don't. I I called it a get right game. I mean, there's no Derrick Henry out there. Josh Dobbs, who by the way, I mean, awesome job, right? First career start. Picked up off of the the practice squad of the Lions eight days ago. They chronicled, They did a great job chronicling the path with his with his folks on on Amazon Prime on their coverage last night. So I won't relive that stuff with you. But the point was, hey, if it's Malik Willis, you know, for the Dallas perspective, you'll, you'll handle it, man. Like I don't need to worry about the interceptions and the turnovers, not getting after the quarterback and the nitpicking that's been happening around this Dallas squad. So I felt like. You'd probably get a dominant performance yesterday from the Cowboys. Is it an incomplete? How else do you describe what we've seen from Dallas? I go back and forth. You know, there's two teams in the NFC where I feel like are are pretty good and have a chance. Like I don't I wouldn't call them the favorites. Like I wouldn't say Minnesota's a favorite to get out of the NFC. I wouldn't say Dallas is is a favorite. You know, they're they're probably slotted. Accordingly, to be honest with you, I think most fans probably have them anywhere in that what that that three to to five range. If you had to pick some teams that you felt confident would come out of the NFC, you know, here here's the issue that I have really with both of the teams. But I'll make this a, a Dallas conversation. There's there's some good. Let, let's start with the good. Dak in this offense, since he comes back from that hand injury, I'm thinking to myself like. You're going to be able to grip properly. You're going to get the velocity that you need. Are you going to be able to to throw the ball downfield effectively? Dak has been able to do that this season. I mean, the point totals for this Cowboys team, you know, it's them in Kansas City. They're one and two since Dak has come back in the NFL uh, in terms of points per game. So you feel good about this team's offense. They are winning football games. I mean, for as much as there's... I won't say DEFCON 1, but there's at least a borderline mild sense of concern around this Dallas team. They are winning. So it's not like they're getting their butt kicks, right? Like It's not like they're going out there and losing games. In fact, they've won 8 out of 10. And by the way, the two games that they lost, they're on the road in overtime. Okay. All right. I mean, that happens in the NFL, right? Like, it's not easy to win on the road. And... They're knocking on the door. I think how some of these games have played out has been more of the issue from a a Dallas perspective. I think that there are fans right now that say, hey, I've seen Dak now tie a career high in terms of the interceptions. I've seen multi-interception games from him. I've seen some inability at times from this defense to shut down the opposition or they're playing with fire in some of these games. There's also what the upside is. I made reference to the fact that I worked in in college sports for a long time. I've been able to do the mock selection for the NCAA tournament before you fly down to Indianapolis, you go through the drills, you slot the teams in, you have the same debates and conversations with media members that they actually have in that room. And 
when I go to evaluate teams, and the same can be said for the college football playoff, right? God, is that not the best music, by the way, in all sports? It's such a great time of the year, as is this one, but uh, there is a little extra juice when it's the NCAA tournament. But what was fascinating to me, and I've done the mock selection too for, for the college football playoff, I go in with this lens of what are you at your best? Like, I want to see you at your peak superpowers. And Dallas, at their peak, is a 40-3 to winner over Minnesota. I think we all watched that game, and two things came from that matchup. One, we said, yo, Dallas. Dallas is legit. Dallas might be, I don't know if they're the favorite, but they're they're one of two, maybe three teams. You had them what? It was the Eagles, the Niners, and then Dallas. You said, if you put them in a hat, coming off of that win against Minnesota, come if you picked all three of those teams, so you put them in a hat and you, you wrote their names down and you plucked one, you'd say, okay, cool, I'm comfortable with that team. Maybe there's a squad that's coming out of, out of the NFC and they'll get to the Super Bowl. I saw them dominant. Offensively, I know what they can do. They shut down a team whose identity in Minnesota is, is what they do offensively. Hell, yesterday when I was asking for, for tweets and, and emails about the MVP – Besides the Mahomes and the Jalen Hurts, what are the responses? I got one for Kirk Cousins. I got a couple for Justin Jefferson. Like, that's what that team does well. So we watched Dallas dominate that squad. And here's what we've seen over the last couple games or so. A a little bit of concern because it doesn't look like that. Demarcus, Demarcus Lawrence, yesterday after the game, had an interesting quote. This is what he said. Once you all see a game like Minnesota, you think that's how every game is supposed to be. Me personally, I wish, but it's not. We have to be able to fight through adversity and make sure we come out with a W. This is a football team, Dallas that is, that has played three games in 12 days. For as much as, as, as difficult as it is to win on the road, Playing three NFL games in a span of 12 days, that ain't easy either. And I know Dak last night, you know, he was on the set uh, with the Prime crew, and he had said, you know, he he casually slid that in. Hey, you know, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch, three games here, short short week. You know, and I, I think some fans might say, you know what, that's that's an excuse. I, I think you can't treat, and maybe this should be a sports resolution for for some fans out there, don't treat athletes like robots. Like, there is wear and tear. And granted, they're in better shape than all of us, but there is wear and tear on their bodies, and we know how physical this game can be. Ask Tua how hard it is to go week in and week out. To play three of these games in 12 days is not easy, and I get that, and other teams have done it. So maybe it's an unfair representation from what we saw against Minnesota um, to expect that every single week. I think DeMarcus makes a good point. I think that is a fair assessment of what you see every single week in the NFL. The Dallas defense here, you know, they they couple more takeaways, got the most takeaways in the in the NFL with now 32. I think the problem is if you're a Dallas fan, you sit back and you say to yourself, can the games where we're winning, playing with fire and not look dominant, is that going to be good enough to get us to a Super Bowl? And that's a fair that's a fair question. You know, heading into the season, Buffalo was anointed the team that, hey, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're the best team in the NFL, the whole thing. Uh, you know, I, I, 
we saw some adversity from that squad, haven't we? I mean, we've seen Josh Allen throw some picks this season. We've seen moments where, you know, the offense, or I should say the defense has been banged up. And and once again, I think we're at times looking at a an unreasonable expectation for for a team. I had talked to uh, Stephon Diggs a couple weeks ago. They they were winning some games. I think it was off of the heels of the Lions game. Uh, he was guest on Total Access uh, on NFL Network, and Diggs comes on, and I had said to him, "Hey, you know, like how concerned are you with some of these interceptions, these red zone picks that that Josh is throwing?" And of course, he's going to say. Well, I'm not overly concerned. He's leader of our football team. And Josh makes incredible plays, incredible throws on the football field. He's a monster when he's running. And we got some of that. But what I thought was fascinating from, from Stefan Diggs when I had interviewed him was he said, look, this is not supposed to be easy. Going through week in and week out, it is unreasonable, and I'm paraphrasing here, to expect dominance every single week in the NFL. Some teams can get away with it. You know, think about this. For as much as we've said, you know, Kansas City is, you know, maybe the favorite to to get back to a Super Bowl. Like, I, I get why people would say that. And yet, you know, you still look at who they've played this season and the games that they've won and lost. I'm going through their schedule. They got two losses uh, so far this season. It, it's uh, at the Colts for the Chiefs. I came back in, in week number three, uh, three. And then, you know, Cincinnati. Like they lost to a good, um, or excuse me, three losses, uh, and Buffalo, obviously. They've lost to a good Buffalo team and a good Cincinnati team. How much of a concern is that when you get to postseason play? Like that is, like you're measured against your best. So to bring this full circle here on a Dallas perspective, they rebounded in the second half. It was an ugly first half with the picks and the fumble from Dak, and I get that. I do think there's a tap kit, uh, a hat tip to to Dak for being able to overcome some of those some of those moments. It's still a road game. It's a game where Tennessee's resting players like Derrick Henry. It's a game where Josh Dobbs comes in and it's his first start since his last inside that that stadium. Well, it's first NFL career start, but oddly enough, it was the last time he had played inside that stadium was his last game at Tennessee uh, when they matched up against Nebraska. You know. There's the fan in me that says you should have dominated. This should have been a dominant performance from start to finish. And yet I look at the point total. I look at a team that that still was in the game. They still won by double digits. It's a 27-13 game. There was no Tony Pollard. I think he was missed in this game. And yet they still were able to overcome those turnovers early. I, I'm, I think – Incomplete is the grade for me that I'd have to give the assignment of a Week 17 game against Tennessee. I just don't know what to expect from them when the postseason rolls on. And I think that's part of what you see every single week in the NFL. So for as much as the focus and the attention is on what Dallas has done, they're still winning games. I don't think you have to overly panic right now. I'd I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned, but I think we need to be fair about this assessment. Do I like them better than a Minnesota team? I do. Do I like them better than the Niners? No. Do I like them better than Philly? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm quite there yet. And I get it. Dallas fans are like, yo, we just beat them. Yeah, no Jalen Hurts, though, and I think he's the MVP. So, yes, that's a factor there. So all of these things involved, all all of these being a part of the conversation and all things being equal – 
I think there's some concern, but I do think that this is a team that that figures it out. I don't know how deep this run is going to be. All right, we'll talk a little more NFL still to come here, but we got two playoff games tomorrow. All eyes on Ohio State. How do they rebound from a loss against Michigan to really claim still the ultimate prize? Kind of cool to say that. You lose against your rival, and you can still win a national championship. Well, a national champion who actually wore that Ohio State uniform, it's Bobby Carpenter. He's going to be joining us next. It's the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, Omega Tax Credit. Credits.com. Mike, I'm filling in for Jim Rome here on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, we do have some playoff football, not NFL, college football tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Let's roll here. Uh, I know I've been asking people with the New Year's celebration uh, around the corner. Hopefully everyone is safe for their sports resolutions. So we'll do that coming up. You can tweet at me at Mike underscore Yam. I also said at the top of the show, nothing better than doing this show because I get to to call and lean in on on some of my friends, a former national champion at Ohio State, a first-round pick, a guy, yes, he is a friend, a guy who actually also has, check this out, a business degree and still teaches at Ohio State. I love that as a next-level nugget. Bobby Carpenter is with us right now. Bobby, always good to uh, to hear your voice, my friend. Thanks for popping on with us. MC Amherst, thank you for having me on, man. This is a great time of the year. Hey, Bobby, I actually, um, you know, we're simulcast on on CBS Sports, and I I was looking at your headshot there for a second, and I realized that the last time I did a show with you, you did, I think, two hours without your shirt on, and then it got me thinking about all these cold-weather games with these players who who basically just go uh, shirtless in in the pregame. That's still kind of crazy, right, because it's cold out? It it is freezing, and the reason I didn't do it is because I was coming off a workout. I was hot. I was sweaty. You know, not feeling great, but you know, I was going to cool off with those guys. That was always the thing, you know, that you would do, especially if you're like a dome team or a warm weather team. You want to go out there, and half of it is much, I think, talking yourself into the fact that you can do this. I'm going to go out, no shirt, warm up for 25 minutes, and kind of callous my body to the elements and what I'm going to be experiencing. So the fact that once we do get out there and I am playing, I'm ready to go, and it's a little bit like, hey. This guy must be crazier than me when I'm walking around. So there, there's some of that psychological game that's being played as well. Yeah, I, I clearly don't have the mental makeup to to be out there. I'm <laughs> I'm in a in a studio where the AC just came on for a second, and I'm a little cold, so not wired uh, for for some of those moments out on the football field. Not to mention, I don't think anyone wants to see me with my shirt off. Uh, that said. Um, take me through this, man. I, you know, I think from an Ohio State perspective, it's pretty cool the way college football has played out for some teams, specifically this Buckeyes squad. What do you think it's like for some of these players knowing, you know what, we lost to our rival, but we still got an opportunity not only to, to win a national championship, but potentially even do it and revenge and come up with a revenge win against Michigan? You know, it, it's one of the great things in life where you have a, a redemption story, a chance to be able to write uh, – so-called or proverbial wrong. And, you know, Ryan Day has hammered that for Ohio State for a long time since the loss of Michigan. If we get this chance, like, you better make the most of it. You better make sure 
but the second time around, the outcome isn't ultimately the same. And so they were given new life. And it's the same thing, honestly, that happened with Georgia last year when they lost the SEC title game. You know, they didn't, um, they didn't get to win their conference. Bama's won a couple of national titles without winning their division in their conference like Ohio State's done. Uh, but nobody remembers that. All you remember is the outcome if you're ultimately the champ. And so I, I think that the wave of emotions that you had after losing week and finding out you know, what Friday night, Saturday afternoon that you would have a good shot before ultimately being selected. Those guys, uh, there's now a great opportunity for them. You're playing the defending national champs in Georgia. They have been you know, the number one team in most people's eyes all season long. They're experienced. They have a quarterback that was in New York uh, as part of the Heisman Trophy presentation. Like, there's everything out in front of you. The storybook can be written, and you're the author of it. And I've heard you know, these guys talk about this. And it's up to them. And, you know, Ohio State's talented. They are talented enough to beat Georgia. Georgia is a really stinking good football team. They're talented, and they've executed about as flawlessly as you could all along. For this to be a good yeah, I'm hoping that six and it's going to down stop. Someone you know, picking up a fourth and one, whatever it might sound versus the field. And on Year's Eve, because I hate these games being on Year's Eve. So if you're going to at least play there, give me something that's entertaining to watch. Yeah, this game will be entertaining. Uh, there's no doubt because of the firepower that Bobby's making reference to. Bobby Carpenter with us here on the on the Jim Rome show. Uh, you know, I think about sort of the the engine of this team's offense in in CJ Stroud. This is a guy who really has Bobby in, in a lot of ways accomplished as much as, you know, pretty much as much as anyone has accomplished in in the sport of college football. Is it unfair for me to not to struggle to boot what I saw in that Michigan game as I assess this Ohio State team against Georgia? Like if if the result was the same but it looked a little different, like I, I think my mentality might be different. Is that is that an unfair way to look at this? It might be unfair, but I think it's the reality. Yeah? I mean, it's, it, it, if, you have, if you see a movie that's good to great for 85, 90% of it and the ending isn't good, then – you know what, you come away, you walk away from the movie feeling like it wasn't a great movie. The ending to the story is what makes everything great. And so, yes, C.J. is as accomplished as any quarterback, really, in Ohio State history from a statistical standpoint. He's the only, the second person to get invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony twice from Ohio State, the other being Archie Griffin. You know, he hasn't won a Heisman Trophy like Troy Smith, and he hasn't won a national championship like Cardell Jones or Rex Kern or, you know, uh, Craig Krenzel and guys like that, and he hasn't beaten Michigan. And so the team's success, while the numbers are great as far as wins, he hasn't really had that signature moment. He was great in the Rose Bowl last year, not to take anything away from that. It's a great game. But to have a chance to, you know, be a number one team when you're the underdog, essentially, you know, in their home state, essentially a home venue almost for them, and then, you know, if, if the storybook worked out to be able to have a chance to beat your rival that you have not beaten as a starter, like, those are all really significant things. But what you have said, yeah, the last time you saw him, he was not great. And he doesn't have that big signature win that you look at and say, man, this guy was able to get it done in the biggest moment in this game. But he has that opportunity now in front of him. And so your perception come Sunday morning might change dramatically, or it could be only reinforced if you see what you saw before. Bobby, I want to get you on TCU in Michigan in just a moment here. Just one other thing. Cook up the recipe for an Ohio State win against this Georgia team 
that has just looked so darn dominant. I mean, it feels like it's double-digit wins every single week. And I know I touched on this yesterday. There was a little bit of adversity in a couple games here and there. But this has been the best football team in the country this season. So how does Ohio State beat them? Now, you know, you talk some of the games, you know, Missouri, Kent State, games where I feel like they, you don't want to say they slept walk or rolled their helmet out, but probably weren't as amped up as they were to, you know, ultimately play, you know, in LSU. Uh, to slow them down offensively, you have to try to you know, stymie their run game a little bit. Each sets them in the pocket. You know, Brock Bowers is an elite tight end. You have to contain him. You're not going to stop him, but make sure that he's not having, you know, 20 and 30-yard chunks on you play after play after play. Um, and, you know, I see have the capability to do those things. They have to go out and execute. Um, and then offensively, they've got to get the running game going enough that you can slow down that Georgia pass rush and keep them honest. And you have to sustain a couple drives, but a lot of the game is going to be big plays. And that's what Michigan did a good job against Ohio State, eliminating some of those. You're not going to be able to drive the football six or seven times, 80 yards on Georgia. You're going to have to have some strikes where you're scoring from 50 yards out. And that makes it easy because there's no red zone defense. And Georgia's a little susceptible in the back end. If there's one place on defense that, you know, I would use the term weak in parentheses, that's their weakest area but you've got to get to them through protection, and you have to make sure that you have the opportunity to get those one-on-ones down the field with Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison, Julian Fleming, and those guys have to produce, and they have to make the plays. But that is the recipe for the Buckeyes to be able to be in this game and have a shot to win it. Yeah, I know we we talk about an identity of a Georgia team on the defensive side. All the guys, it felt like their entire roster got drafted a season ago, and yet you're right. This is still a team also that can keep up pace. I don't know to an Ohio State level, but you know, points per game. We're talking about one of the best in the country, top five here. Uh, Bobby, I also want to get you on TCU and Michigan here. All of these close games for Sonny Dykes's squad. Is that a good thing heading into the the college football playoff, or does that is that more indicative to the idea that maybe they aren't really one of the four best teams out there, despite the fact that they're they're at this point? Well, you never want to confuse, you know, best, you know, most deserving, you know, with talented. And DCU may not be the most talented team in the playoff, but they're a really good football team. And I, I, I liken back to a team that I was on in 2002 with Ohio State game. And a lot of people remember that team because, you know, frankly, we probably shouldn't have been there. And in the situ- situation today, even though we're undefeated, you got a lot of people saying, hey, you know, they don't stand a chance against Miami. There's teams that are better. They, they're playing all these close games. But what playing close games does when you win them, the battle hardens you. You've been in those situations before. Experience is the ultimate teacher. And so when you've been in close games, you don't panic. You do what you continue to do what you've always done. And then also, also when you've won those games more often than not, you have a belief and an optimism that it's going to work out. And that is, that is paramount. And that's, that's what I see with Max Duggan. I mean, they lost the Big 12 championship game, but I feel like Max Duggan until the final whistle felt like he had a chance to win that game. Yeah. And they were going to ultimately win that game. And that, that stuff, that belief, that optimism right there, it, it's infectious. It's tough to overcome. It's really hard to quantify because there's no, like, no metric to measure it. But winning close games like that, they have the talent to compete. And they also have now the mentality, I believe, to be able to go out there. And if they get down 14 points, not panic and continue to do what they've always done 
and trying to find a way to win. It, it is. It feels dirty in a good way, right? Like it's not. It, it almost reminds me of like Rocky. You know, like they're in Russia, and you know, Rocky doesn't have like all the bells and whistles when he's out there, right? But yet, still figures out a way to get it done. And I think there's some similarities. And Duggan obviously is is got that fire in him. Um, Bob, before I let you get going, man, and it's always good to hear your voice. I was asking people about their like New Year's resolutions, and specifically more on the sports side. Do you do you do that sort of thing? Is that part of like the Bobby Carpenter lifestyle? I, mean, I think goals are important, so resolutions. I, I look at it more as like New Year's goals, the things I want to try to achieve um, in the year. But as far as sports, like I don't, I don't play sports anymore. So what is this like to get my bench up, to get my cardio going, like time miles? What's the sports resolution, yeah? Um, so I'll give you one that I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. Like I should be going to games in person more. Like I don't do that <laughs> enough. So that's gonna be one of my sports resolutions. You're gonna give more of yourself to your sports teams, okay? I, I appreciate that. I feel like we're in four Christmases right now uh, with, with these little resolutions. Um, you know, I, I watch about as much football as I think I can feasibly consume. I go to a handful of games. Um, I, I honestly, I, yeah, I'm, I might go, I'm going to try to read six books next year. Oh, like okay. I'm trying to, that's the resolution I have. I watch more TV or to go, going to games I like. Because there's a lot to it now, and the experience at home is so good. Yeah. So I think that's good to get out in person, get out amongst the unwashed masses, and huddle yourself into a stadium, and just you know, with people screaming obscenities that are overserved. Like that's that's a fun and, and an exciting experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to better myself a little bit, yeah. and uh, I'm going to try to lean in on that as opposed to consuming more sports because I, I don't know if I could even find any more time. I, I love it. I love it. You know, no, no, you're, you're, you're spot on, man. When you do this for a living, like we do, you're right. Like sometimes you need to you venture out just to, just a smidge there. Six books this year. I'm going to hold you to it. I'll text you later. Some recommendations as well. Uh, Bobby, seriously, man, always good to hear your voice. Enjoy tomorrow. Happy new year. I hope the holidays have been great to you and your family. I appreciate it. Happy holidays to you. Enjoy the new year. Kicking it off with a little college football, followed up by just a bevy of NFL. This is the best time of the year right now, man. It's as much football as you want. It is. It is. Thanks again, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby Carpenter, uh, one of my favorites, and I, I just love the fact. I know I, I mentioned this. Dude's got a business degree and teaches, if I'm not mistaken, finance. Like I've actually asked him finance questions uh, in commercial breaks when I've worked with him in the past. He is a, a wealth of knowledge and a guy that can do, uh, and obviously did. Yeah, I don't have enough of that. That might be my other New Year's resolution. How do I get some more coin? in my pocket. Uh, would love to hear from you guys at Mike underscore EM. If you do have a New Year's sports resolution, what is it? Now, this might have been a crazy question to ask a few weeks ago. It still might be crazy at this point. Whose offense do you trust more, the Panthers or the Bucks? John Breach, CBSSports.com. He's got the answer for us. That's coming up next. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. 
Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor, tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor dial to 11. Hot and spicy, with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a 4-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? All right, we are rolling into a big weekend of football. We got the college football playoff going on Saturday. Bobby Carpenter just hopped on with us to give us his take from an Ohio State perspective, uh, what he thought was going to happen, and then obviously playoff positioning still on the line uh, in the NFL. Been asking people for their sports resolutions because we are a day away from New Year's Eve. Uh, at Mike underscore Yam, I was complaining that my suits are a little bit tight. Pauline Indy hit me up. He said, suits are tighter. Easy fix. Blame the dry cleaners. Dude, we are friends. I am with you on that. Uh, we'll get to some more of those tweets coming up in just a bit. But uh, John Breach from CBSSports.com is with us right now to give us his take on what's happening uh, in the NFL. Hey, John, always good to hear your voice, man, and appreciate you making some time for us. When I think back to this week, I know the the Derek Carr situation has dominated headlines. Tua has also been big. You got an NFL head coach that's been fired. But what's actually been the biggest story in the league this week? Uh, I would say it is probably Derek Carr. I okay. mean, if you, it's crazy that we're here two weeks to the end of the season. You have all this chaos going on. Uh, but for someone who's been a starting quarterback for the past nine years to just get kind of unceremoniously dumped uh, kind of out of nowhere, you know, obviously there's some financial ramifications here and the Raiders have the reasons for making these decisions. Uh, but just to get rid of your Pro Bowl quarterback and say, all right, well, you're done. And that's all signs point to him being out after the end of the season. I would say that probably tops the list of the crazy things that happened this week. Yeah, I'm with you. Although I feel like the the Denver contingent's probably thrilled that that happened. Otherwise, the entire focus would be on what what their decision was to let go of Nathaniel Hackett. Um, you said it's Carr, so you tell me what was your reaction to this new game plan and how the Raiders are handling this quarterback situation. I mean, I was shocked just because I didn't think it would ever happen. It was one of those things. To me, it was like the Andy Dalton situation in Cincinnati a few years ago or where it was, you know what, we don't think we can find a better quarterback, so let's just stick with the guy we have. Uh, and you just pray and hope that maybe he'll eventually win a playoff game for you at some point. And, you know, I do think, though, that once Josh McDaniels was hired and they gave Carr that really weird contract extension that was just kind of, hey, look, we're going to guarantee your money through 2022, but we're not giving you anything after that. That way we can just cut ties with you if we want. So it really felt like McDaniels was thinking, hey, if this guy doesn't work out and doesn't understand my offense and doesn't run it the way I want it run, I can just get rid of him. And so it does feel like uh, Carr just reached the end of the line with Josh McDaniels and, and kind of that was the writing on the wall. And, hey, you got to go, Derek. You can't run my offense. Yeah. So what do you think the best options are from a Derek Carr perspective? Ooh. Derek's going to have a lot. You look at all the teams that are going to have uh, quarterback issues next season. We're talking about Tom Brady might not go back to Tampa Bay. So maybe the Buccaneers call him. The Jets, uh, man, that is just QB craziness there. Mike White, Zach Wilson, you don't know what's going to happen there. So maybe they call him. Uh, Geno Smith is going to be a free agent in Seattle. If they can't get something done, maybe the Seahawks say, let's give Derek Carr a call. So there's just so many uh, unknowns going into this offseason season. 
uh, as far as teams that might need a quarterback. I mean, the Carolina Panthers, that's another team that could use an upgrade at quarterback. So I do think that Derek Carr will be in hot demand, even though the Raiders didn't want him. Yeah, you know, and John Breach with us, CBSSports.com here on the Jim Rome Show. I'm going to go through some of these teams, and I agree with you on all your assessments here. I'm going to throw one your way, and you tell me if I'm crazy here. Do you think that Belichick and company love Mac Jones? Like, isn't Derek worth – isn't that worth the phone call with the Raiders to see if you can grab him? Yeah, I, I don't think that is completely crazy. I, well, I think that Belichick's going to have to do his own soul searching after the season because it feels like, you know, you can pin some of their offensive problems on Mac Jones, but I think you also need to pin a lot of it on the fact that yeah. he has a guy who's uh, been a defensive mind for the past 20 years, Matt Patricia, just throwing him to the offensive side of the ball. Like that was going to work with like a charm and, and it's just been a total disaster. So I think you have to pin part of the blame there. And so if you're Belichick and you move on from Mac Jones, you got to make sure that you're comfortable doing that. And, and, you know, I'm not sure he is, but I do think Derek Carr would be an upgrade for Mac Jones. So if there's some way, uh, you know, Belichick calls up his old buddy, Josh McDaniels and his old buddy, Dave Ziegler and says, Hey guys, look, I'll take Derek Carr. You get Mac Jones. Let's call it a day. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think you're crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Cause sometimes I, I wonder, you know, what, what goes on inside the dome between the two ears. Sometimes I think it might be a, a little weird and I don't like saying some of this stuff. In fact, I said something the other day and I was joking when I said it, but then it morphed into another question. Uh, I was watching Christmas Day, Tom Brady and company, and look, they win that game, they beat Arizona, and I had turned to to some of our crew at NFL Network, and I was like, yo, who do you trust more, Sam Darnold or Tom Brady right now? And obviously, I know what the answer is, but I said, I actually think that this is a legit question. Whose offense do you trust more? Is it the Panthers or the Bucs? And this is a huge game that we have coming up here. I'll ask you that question. Do you lean one way? Am I crazy going, I might take the Panthers? I do not. Maybe we're both crazy. Maybe that's the problem here. Because if you ask me how much I trust Tom Brady's offense right now, I'm not even sure they would be in the top 20 of my most trustworthy offenses of any team in the NFL. If you can run the football well in January, which is what the Panthers are doing right now with Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman, uh, and that's one offense. And then you have the other offense that can't move the ball, that has only scored more than 20 points, I think, once the entire season. Uh, I'm going to take the team that has been on fire the past few weeks yeah. and has been running over everyone, steamrolled the, the Lions last week. Uh, so, yeah, I think that right now I probably trust the Panthers' offense more than the Buccaneers. But, of course, as soon as we say that, Tom Brady will throw four touchdown passes on yeah. Sunday, laugh at us, and, and the Buccaneers will win by two touchdowns. And then we'll say we're, we're idiots. Of course of course, we knew what the answer was. We just needed to be different for, for a moment. Uh, John, you know, on, on Monday we got, I, I think, maybe the best Monday night matchup of the entire season. Does the winner of Cincinnati and Buffalo, in your mind, are they the favorite to come out, regardless of seeding and, and how you know that matchup impacts all of that stuff? Does the winner of that game, do they become your to, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I would say so. It feels like, again, somehow, the Bengals are the defending AFC champions, but it feels like people have just been sleeping on them. Most of the AFC conversation has been, it's the Bills and the Chiefs in the top tier And then, you know, the Bengals are in that second tier with one or two other teams. And so, to me, this feels like where the Bengals were last season. They played the Chiefs 
in the penultimate week, the second to last week of the season. They win that game, and even then it was still uh, that Chiefs-Bills divisional playoff game. The winner of that's going to win the Super Bowl. And so it kind of feels like that again this season. I feel like this is the one game where if Cincinnati wins it, look, they've beaten the Chiefs three straight times. They know they can beat Kansas City. And so the Bills are kind of that last team. If you can knock off Buffalo, uh, then I think that would give the Bengals the kind of confidence that, hey, look, we're the defending AFC champs. There's no reason we shouldn't get back to the Super Bowl. And then if you're the Bills, you just feel good about it because uh, you're thinking if we beat the Bengals, we're going to lock up the number one seed and no one's going to get through Buffalo in January. So, yeah, I do think that the winner of that game should probably be considered the favorite in the AFC. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that one. That's that's going to be must-see television in such a big way. You know, there's teams that are battling for playoff spots, John. It's kind of one of those cool times of the season. Jets and Seahawks play each other. They are two teams, you know, kind of in that mix. Either one of these teams, are, are they good? Uh, you know, like the thing is, you don't have to be good to get the seventh <laughs> seed now in the NFL. So it's like, are you mediocre enough to get that spot? And it feels like, yeah, they're on the cusp of mediocrity. Let's just put them in. So I, I do feel like, uh, especially in the NFC, which feels a little bit more wide open, I guess. I don't think the Jets are going to be getting the Super Bowl. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be getting to the Super Bowl. No. Uh, but, you know, maybe you win that wild card game. And so I think that's the bottom line is that both conferences have three, maybe four really good teams. And then after that, hey, look, you, you can be an average team and get to the playoffs. Uh, and, and I would say both those teams qualify as that. Yeah. John, I can't thank you enough, man, for, for giving us some time. It's always good to hear your voice. I know you popped on with me last time I was doing this show, man. Always checking out your stuff on CBS. So uh, really appreciate it, and Happy New Year. Yep, always enjoy jumping on. Thanks for having me, Mike. Have a good New Year, man. Yeah, John Breach, once again, CBS Sports NFL writer, does some great stuff, great analysis on on what's happening in the NFL. And I'm not just saying that because we agreed on some crazy outlandish stuff that I thought was a little off the reservation. I know I facetiously asked if the Jets were a good team. I'll tell you what, that Sauce Gardner, man, it's either him, Woolen, Tyreek Woolen out of Seattle, speaking of that matchup, going head-to-head. Those are probably your favorites for Defensive Player of the Year. So it's the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You're good. You can make it. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads in order to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. All right, he is a former first-round pick by the Bills. Works for the ACC Network. I get to do some shows with him over on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Uh, EJ Manuel is with us. EJ, are you cool, man? Like, do we, can I do some NFL? Can we sprinkle, can we split things? I know it's the CFP, and I know in a lot of ways you got close eyes on what's been happening with some of these quarterbacks that that we're going to see on Saturday. But I I know you used to rock that Bills uniform, man. Like, is your former squad, are they the best in the league? 
Uh, I think uh, that's hard to say because, I mean, there's some really good teams that are playing excellent football at this point in the season, Mike. I mean, you look at Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think Buffalo is definitely in the top three. Um, you can even say Kansas City Chiefs are always going to have a voice in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really fun to watch the Bills continue to grow, obviously, with their quarterback, Josh Allen. And uh, since Coach McDermott has taken over there, man, they just they've gotten better each and every year. And then just the way they've drafted, the way they've done in free agency, and then that's obviously paying off in dividends on the football field. So I would say they're top three. I don't necessarily want to say they're the best because we're going to find out once they get into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl, potentially. And look, uh, got an, they can make even a stronger argument for or against, depending on what happens Monday night against Cincinnati. Hey, one other thing before we get to CFP stuff here in a second. You know, the Derek Carr stuff, you played the position in the league. You understand the business side of it as well. What do you make of what the Raiders are doing with Carr? It's interesting because naturally you want to finish the season as strong as possible, right? No, like no matter what your record is, and obviously the Raiders at this point are six and nine. Um, I think they still have a, a far out shot, you know, at a wild card. Probably need a bunch of things to happen to move around for them to get that wild card. But nonetheless, you know, you understand the business of it. I know DC very well. He's a confident guy. He's a man of faith, um, and. I don't know if he's, you know, publicly spoken since this decision has been made, but I know he's going still going to be a great teammate to Jared Stidham, uh, to the rest of, you know, the other 52 men on that roster. They're going to go out there and get a win potentially versus the Niners. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting, but again, as you said, it Mike, it's about the business and I, things I've read. I think he'd be guaranteed some money if there's an injury or if he's on the team at this certain date and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that part of the, you know, contractual issues, but. I do know him as a player and him as a person. Uh, he's going to be steadfast. And wherever, he, whether, wherever he lands, whether it's in Vegas again or another team, he's going to be a great piece to that team, and hopefully they get a, you know, some more chances to win some games. Yeah, by all accounts, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a money decision, clearly. And yep. by all accounts, everyone that you talk to around that Raiders organization or players that know Derek, they'll all tell you how, how good of a dude he is. So I think no matter where he lands, uh, hopefully, and because of the no-trade clause, he's going to dictate where he ends up. So hopefully it is yep. a better situation for him. You said the business side of things. There was a time in your life, EJ, where you were a little less concerned about the business side of football. You were out there trying to win games, hanging with your boys. Uh, you know, on Saturdays when the games were over, probably healing up, getting in that uh, that ice tub there as well. But from a college perspective, here we got the CFP, Ohio State and Georgia. I want to start there. This Georgia team is as good as we've seen. You know. I I don't want to say they're better than last year, but in a lot of ways, man, like this squad just doesn't lose football games. Is this the best offense, though, that they're going to be facing on Saturday in Ohio State? It's a great question, Mike. I I would say they're one of the better offenses. I mean, when you look at the group that C.J. Stroud has around him, I don't think Jackson Smith and Jigma is going to be playing because he hasn't really played a a lot this season, been out with a lot of injuries. But Marvin Harrison Jr., Ameki Ekbuka, Julian Fleming, I mean, these guys are lethal receivers. And the way that, you know, C.J. Stroud is able to place the ball for these guys to provide that catch and run. And a lot of people get enamored with the 300-yard games, the 400-yard games. But when you actually watch C.J.'s film, though there are some real dimes as far as perfect passes, he's just accurate. You know, he's completing 66% of his passes. Uh, and that's why I think the high-powered offense is really going to come into effect for Georgia. Now, the key for Georgia, and we all know it, I mean, they have one of the best defensive lines 
in the country. So you can imagine that Coach Smart is going to dial up some, you know, some pressures, try to get C.J. Stroud off his spot a little bit, and just make it a little harder. You know, especially some of the corners that they have. Um, you know, being able to get their hands on these receivers and maybe jam them at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and you know, Keely Ringo is going to have a great matchup against Harrison Jr. Uh, but I would assume, you know, if you bring and mix in some of those pressures and try to jam them at the line of scrimmage, that should cause CJ to just be a hair late on some of his throws that could potentially le- turn into turnovers. Hey, not to make this an NFL thing again, but once again, you're the perfect guy to ask this question to CJ Stroud specifically. What is he on Sundays? Because the conversation around the NFL draft is he's probably going to be one of the first two, at worst, three guys, third guy at that spot taken off the board. Yeah, well, I think he's going to be a great pro. And, Mike, you've heard me say this before. You know, a lot of the pro quarterbacks, it really depends on the situation. You know, again, you look at Josh Allen, came into a great situation with a coach that, you know, was confident in how he wanted to build his team. You look at Patrick Mahomes, had a chance to sit for the first 15 weeks of his rookie year, played that final game and showed some promise. And then people said, okay, well, maybe we can move on from Alex Smith and then give the keys to Pat Mahomes. And the rest has been history, right? So, I think C.J. Stroud falls right in that same line of first-round QB ability. Um, and it's just really a matter of him having the opportunity to then grow, gain confidence, because it's not about really learning the offense. You're going to do that. That's a byproduct of just showing up every day and, and learning to be a pro. But it's really just about learning just to be a professional. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing to do as a young quarterback and to really have that confidence early on. Because you can say, like, all right, I'm going to go out here and have a good game. But once you actually do it three or four times, that's when the game starts to slow down to you and become an even better player. EJ, is it good for college football if the rematch of the national championship game is a game that we already saw where Michigan was dominant against Ohio State? Absolutely. I think it would be great for college football. Um, one, I mean, that's one of the more storied rivalries yeah. in all the sports, You know, whether it's a, a basketball matchup or it's a baseball matchup and obviously a football matchup between these two great teams. Also in the Big Ten, you know, we've seen the addition – of USC and UCLA. We talked about that on our show on series a few weeks ago and how the Big Ten is getting bigger, how the SEC is getting bigger, and the rest of these conferences are trying to, at some point, catch up, although they still play confident and, you know, good football as well. But if we do happen to see Ohio State and Michigan play for a rematch, I mean, you can imagine the storyline from that game would be crazy. And just considering Ohio State would have that second chance to then right the wrong of losing at home embarrassingly against the Michigan Wolverine team, who's now without Blake Corman. I know they got Edwards, who's a very capable running back. Um, but truthfully, man, if you can get – if I'm Ohio State and if I'm Coach Day, obviously you got to knock off the number one team in all the land in the Georgia Bulldogs. But I guarantee you they will love that opportunity to then get that rematch against the Wolverines. You know, EJ, it probably didn't happen to you much in your career I, when you had as much talent as you had. I, generally speaking, you're probably the favorite in a lot of the matchups that, that you had. You had a ton of success. From a TCU perspective, this is a team that at times, and you know this, man, like kind of walking that tightrope a little bit, right? And it's gone in their favor more times than that. All these close one-score games that they've been able to to squeeze out here. I keep telling myself, like, what's the case? Make it against this Michigan team. And I, I feel myself pulling these random you know, ancillary factors that could work in their favor to story a win for them. And yet, look, it happens, right? Like on Saturdays, sometimes, you know, teams that we think are dominant, they don't go and win. What do you see when you look at this TCU squad and this matchup against Michigan? Well, the first thing I see is a team that truly is resilient, right? A team that's been battle-tested. And, Mike, you mentioned a great point in the sense of them having close games. 
as a competitor, I always felt like close games meant that we were really kind of grinding ourselves and making a callus for ourselves mentally to say, hey, look, if we got to go wire to wire in this game, play a full 60-minute ball game in order to win it, so be it. You know, So I think TCU is one of those teams especially as you get into the college football playoff, every down is going to matter. And I think they thrive in those types of moments. Go back to when they played Baylor. Uh, I want to say maybe week 11 or 12, um, you know, pretty much to keep their playoff hopes and big 12 championship hopes alive. And the way they, they closed out that win with that late field goal. To me, that's something of a team that knows what they're doing. That's a team that truly takes the practice that they have on the practice field and really able to translate it over to the, uh, the actual game field, because what that was was a Toro Toro alert where they had to have their field goal team ready. The running back runs it to the right hash where the kicker probably wanted it. They rush everybody out there, get the ball set, they snap it, they make the field goal. Everybody's you know parading on the field and they win. So to me, when I see teams like that, I think they're dangerous because they don't really care if they're blowing you out in the first half or if you're blowing them out in the first half. They're not going to give up. They're going to play a 60-minute ball game and give themselves a chance to win it late in the game. And when, again, Max Dugan, I think he's just one of those quarterbacks that's gritty. You know, his ability to throw the football, but really to run the football and extend plays, I think is going to give Michigan fits at times if they can't get him down on the ground. You know, it's interesting, Max Olson from The Athletic was with us, and I had asked him about Sonny Dykes. Like, if you talked to him before the season and told him this was going to happen, he'd probably give you a weird look. Turns out Max actually did talk to Sonny before the season, <laughs> EJ, and Sonny was like, you know, I think we're a bowl team. You know, I think we got the talent for it. He was right. Uh, I don't know if you saw this ball coming, but he did say, hey, if things go the wrong way, you know, a guy gets hurt, maybe we could be on the wrong side. This season has been terrific. It's exceeded expectations. But you just hit on something there for a second. You Did you play on teams where it was like, it wasn't easy. It was a little dirty. Like, was it more fun for you knowing like, hey, this is not going to every week be this dominant performance. Like, we just have to gut it out. Like, I feel like there's this battle-tested mentality that is almost taken for granted for it. But I think inside that locker room, and you could speak to this, does that almost feel better when you win and you know that people are doubting you? Mike, absolutely. First off, when you go on a field and you go out and fight and grind, you know, you're doing the, the hard work in the summertime, in the spring, and then you get a chance to play in these football games during the actual season. And you remember some of those some of those uh, 60-yard dashes and all these things that you were doing, really just almost killing yourself, and then it pays off in a game later in the year. And I feel like that's where TCU's at. You know, I've always felt like it was more gratifying to have a closer win. Of course, if you can go out and blow out a team, that's great. You're feeling good about yourself. You're smiling in the third quarter. All right, cool. What are we doing later on tonight? But when you got to grind those things out and play a true 60-minute ball game well into the fourth quarter, and then you're able to find a way to win, because when you play good football, it comes down to the situations. And I think that's where I say TCU is a perfect fit for this college football playoff because now it's really good on good. Michigan's going to be just as good in every category just like TCU is. And so it's going to come down to who does well on third down, who does well in the red zone, who does well in the turnover margin that doesn't turn it over or is able to create turnovers. And what it reminds me of, truthfully, Mike, is the NFL. You know, when you, we when I was in the league, if we won a game by one point or we won a game by 10 or, or 25, we were happy because we knew that gave us that next step to get to the playoffs. And so I think us as fans or us as media, if we look at college football and we see Clemson, we see Alabama, we see Georgia, we see all these different teams blowing people out, we then think, okay, that's normal. But it's not. At the end of the day, 
you win a game by one point, that's all that matters because that's a W in the win column. EJ, it's funny you mentioned that, man, because I started this show talking about some comments from Demarcus Lawrence. Last night I'm watching this Cowboys game, and I'm thinking to myself, man, like these turnovers, two picks, the fumble, it's not easy, and yet they win. And I expect to see that dominance, and I didn't get it. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like this unrealistic expectation every single week to blow out teams, and that's just not not reality. And a win is a win. It doesn't matter how how you're picking up some of these Ws. Um, before we let you get going, dude, I, I, Happy New Year, by the way. I've been asking people for their sports New Year's resolutions. Are you a resolution type of guy? Is that your thing? <laughs> uh, I'm usually not, Mike. But by the way, obviously, Happy New Year and also Happy Belated Merry Christmas. But I'll go ahead and make one. Um, okay. You know what? I'm going to try to start tweeting more uh, in 2023. And whether it's actual <laughs> football commentary, uh, whether it's just something I'm curious about and asking a question to some of our listeners or fans, or even just, you know, throwing out a, a, a cool recipe that I come across because I've actually become somewhat of a foodie uh, over the past couple months living down here in South Florida and going to some of these good restaurants. So maybe that'll be my new resolution for 2023 since you asked me about it. I, I like that, man. I like that. I yeah. didn't know you were a foodie. And by the way, so do you cook or you just eat? Well, I just eat. Okay. <laughs> but my wife does a great job of cooking. So I'll be honest, if I do come across a really cool recipe on Instagram or somewhere in social media sphere, I'll send it to my wife. And then the whole kind of, I guess, conversation then turns into how I can help her, whether it's getting a bowl or sometimes I actually do a little bit of hard work, Mike, but for the most part, my wife, I'd be lying if I said I did any of the heavy lifting. She usually handles that for us. I always say, man, you know what I do best in the kitchen? It's boil water. I won't yeah, mess that bro. up. Yep, just turn uh, that stove on and get out the way. I'm good. I'm good outside of that. And I usually get the task of cutting onions. Um, right. Or up, taking so. out the trash. Either one. Oh, oh that is that is my role, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm the trash guy. Uh, EJ, it's always good to hear your voice, man. Um, happy New Year to you. I hope the holidays were terrific. I can't wait to work with you again uh, real soon. And I appreciate you sprinkling in a little NFL with some college talk. Yeah, man. Hey, look, anytime to talk about the greatest league in all of sports being the NFL, you know I'm here for it, Mike. So happy holidays, my friend. And I'll be talking with you soon, bro. Yeah, Take no, care. absolutely. EJ Manuel, once again, good enough to uh to get it going for us and, you know, give us his take. And I think it's interesting because from a player's perspective, he's right, like that dominance that we see. We expect it all the time from the best teams. And I Maybe it's just not realistic. Maybe it is just an unrealistic expectation that I have for some teams. Maybe that should also be added to my list of sports resolutions. I have a few. I've been asking you guys for yours as well. Rome at haveatake.com. I know some emails have been trickling in. I asked our crew before we got out here to, to have a few ready for me as well. So we'll get to some of those. That's still to come here on the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, Omega Tax Credit. Credits.com. All right, it has been an absolute blast last two days hanging with you guys. Big, big shoes to fill for Jim. You know, yesterday we were asking for contenders who you thought should win the MVP. Today, because we are knocking on the door of New Year's Eve, and hopefully everyone is very safe around the holidays, 
uh, it asks for sports resolutions. You know, the typical ones of, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go work out, all those types of things. That That's that's all well and good. And hopefully you're able to stick to that plan because not everyone is able to. I had actually asked uh, our crew, and once again, I know some people I'm looking at scrolling through some of these emails in the inbox, Rome at haveatake.com. If you got a sports New Year's resolution, we got some funny ones to go through. I had asked um, Garrett and John also come up with a couple of theirs. So we'll get their resolutions code up here in, in just a couple of minutes. You guys can wave and smile. Um, it is, it's, we're, we're almost at the weekend here. There we go. Uh, all right. So a couple things for, for me, sports resolution wise. I know I brought, dropped this probably a little bit earlier in the show. I spend so much time watching games, and typically it's in front of a monitor, TV, you know, iPad, computer, the whole, the whole thing. I don't go to games really anymore. So I think for 2023, one of my sports resolutions is to actually attend some of these games. I don't know if it's, you know, because I spend so much time doing football stuff, uh, especially around the NFL. So I think maybe it's it's a different sport. Maybe it's a baseball game. Maybe if, you know, I'm in SoCal now. So maybe if my Mets are out on the on the West Coast, make a concerted effort to see the Amazons, especially with a roster that's uh, got oh some talent God, on it. You two out of three. Big deal. No, it it's is a big deal if you're. It's an absolute <laughs> joke. 23 to 8. I can't imagine the Mets put up that many points uh, or runs, I should say. Uh, so I think that would be one of my sports resolutions actually go to games. And then another side note here you know, Bobby Carpenter joined us earlier in the show, former first round guy, still in great shape, the whole deal. And I had said to him, Hey, Bobby, are you still the type of dude who, well, I, he wasn't this dude, but I said, What do you make of guys who, before NFL games, we had all these cold weather games, all these dudes not wearing their shirts. Like, he thinks it's crazy. I mean, the, the whole psychological thing around it. The, he made the point for it, but he said it wasn't something that he would do. Uh, not that I would shirt off before. I, I layer up if it's like 60, okay? So it's not exactly like I I would ever do something like this. But what I, one of my resolutions for 2023 when I'm doing shows in NFL Network, I'm going to try to make a concerted effort not to promote the dudes who are not wearing shirts that are out on the football in pregame. I think I've seen enough of it. I'm good. It typically has meant a loss for some of these teams. So those are two of the resolutions that that I will uh, I will go with. Um, Garrett and John, before I get to yours here, I got I got a couple that you guys have given me uh, in the inbox. So I will uh, throw these out there. Bella B in Calgary. Remember the the clones here. War lady clones. Couple resolutions. Going to try really hard to work on them. First, stop blaming the ref for every call against my team. That actually is a really, really good one. Secondly, and this one is huge. For the love of God, I must stop gambling on so many games. Love big head bets, but I need to reel it back. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you as well. And I don't know if Jim would condone. Uh, dialing it back um, on that side. But hey, look, you know, more power to you. Got another one, uh, Jim in Indiana. This one actually pretty good. It's actually kind of a funny one. New Year's resolution is to be playing for an actual NFL football team next season. Signed, Derek Carr. We spent some time, guys, talking about some potential destinations. Thank you for Derek Carr. I still think the dark horse for me is still New England. I don't think it happens. I think maybe there's like a 20% chance. Definitely ain't going to be Cincinnati the way those dudes are going. Not with their quarterback. With Belichick, I I still think it's an upgrade. Still think it is an upgrade. 
from that perspective. Maybe it's the Jets. Maybe it's the Saints. Maybe it's the Bucks if Brady says goodbye. Um, but, Jim, that's definitely a good one. And let's not forget, Derek Carr, no trade clause. He gets to decide where he goes. And hopefully it is a team that's got a great defense because we haven't seen a ton of great defenses on the Raiders' side. Uh, New Year's resolutions. John and Garrett, I asked you both to come up with a couple here. Um, John, you got a mic closer to you, so I'll let you kick things off here. Who? What? Give me the the sports resolution that you got. Thank you, Mike. Uh, we talked about the spirit of the game, the soul of the game that's kind of missing, and how it's numbers driven. It's kind of yeah. a business. I'm very anti analytics. My resolution now is to boycott analytics, <laughs> and I will do that as a 45 year fan of the Dodgers, diehard. I'm off the ship. Until Friedman is gone, I'm gone. Okay. That is it. Okay. All right. The the resolution there, not going to roll with analytics. You know, I didn't tell you this before because you told me that you might go down this path before the show this morning. I didn't I didn't want to go down here. I was, I was like, oh, I'll save it for air. I'm actually a big analytics guy. So <laughs> it's like uh, I'm with you, though, because it does. I mean, how many times have we seen some of these fourth down calls, right, uh, in the NFL? And everyone always says the analytics. I was what I was going to joke around with you. You know, I'm prime. And obviously the TNF games are, are over for the season. Have you seen the the analytics uh, stream that they have where they're constantly rolling through those? I love that. I love watching that stuff are you not not crazy about no, that i agree there's something to it but it shouldn't be your final decision i just think oh, when just you make a decision sometimes yeah. you can't be based on the past how about on how this guy's feeling how's he doing yeah how's his day going that type of things but it's definitely fun to add that to your decision yeah no no, no. i'm with you there i'm with you that's a good one though that is definitely a good one uh garrett i think you got a slide over right you know you guys are sharing a mic here we're versatile okay. yeah we can yeah. make that happen <laughs> you got a chair with wheels on it you're good that's right. So I have a couple. Uh, I have, over the years, kind of uh, allowed hockey and tennis to kind of fade out of my life a little more and had soccer and other sports get in there. Well, my resolution is to completely get those out of my life now. I have zero interest in hockey and or tennis, and I don't want to follow them at all anymore. So, Not Yeah, I'm kind of bagging on those. Sorry, all you hockey fans out there. So here, here's the deal on the hockey side. I Look. Hockey in the postseason, I'm with you, man. It is, it's awesome. I don't have the bandwidth. That that's really what it comes down to. So you're not you know. have to pick sides at some point. Yeah. Once you get our age, you know, some things take priority, and hockey is not one of them. <laughs> I can't name you ten NHL players right now, and I am in this business professionally. I have no clue, and I don't care anymore. I don't care to have a clue. Just so. just you own what you like. <laughs> you know, that's I, and, I'm uh, with you there. I'm now, like the other guy said, he wants to be have a join an NFL team. I'm finally this year going to resolve to finally uh, making my dream come true and be the center fielder for the Cubs. So I'm sure that's oh, going to happen. Okay. They're going to uh, you know call me up at some point, take me off waivers. I I love it. I love it. Let's let's roll with that. By the way, you have a weird combo of teams that you pull for. Also, a Carolina Panthers fan. Um, didn't realize that that was okay. Yeah, that's. Who would have thunk it? Uh, appreciate you guys, by the way, um, checking in with uh, some of your New New Year's resolutions. Uh, keep in mind here, you can listen up, clones, because not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original, old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered all come in four-ounce bags, so you can sample different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name, because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You know, we're West Coast time here. 
And uh, so we're creeping a little bit closer to lunchtime. I couldn't help but notice in the control room, they got all those beef jerky bags. I was kind of hungry when I got here to the studio, and I was like, it's too early for that. Too early for that. I might mm. take one for the road, though. That might actually happen. Uh, Garrett, this is kind of for you here. Uh, I know when John Breach joined us from CBS earlier in the show, I threw out this, what I thought at the time was a crazy question. I have come around based off of the fact that John told me it's not crazy because he's with me here about your Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just to revisit this here real quick, it is one of the more significant games because remember that NFC South is still up for grabs right now. And a lot of it's going to come down to what we see in this game. There's a world that exists. In fact, I think I'm leaning that way. And I might feel really stupid when the game is over and maybe Brady and the Bucks go and win this thing. That team has struggled on the road, by the way. I think their their last road win came in week two. I don't think they've won a road game all season, the Bucks. Doesn't matter. This one's at home for them. I just thought that was an interesting aside. I, I, I really do feel like I trust Carolina's offense more than I trust Tampa Bay's. I had thrown on Christmas Day the question uh, at NFL Network to a couple of my colleagues. Hey, do we trust Sam Darnold more than we trust Tom Brady? And we all chuckled. And I didn't mean it seriously. And then I paused. And I was like, you know what, though? While that's crazy, I trust this Carolina offense right now. They run the football ridiculously well. And Sam Darnold, man, is playing some good football down the stretch here. Just like we drew it up. Yeah, exactly. We drew it up. Interim coach, Trey Christian McCaffrey still figure out a way to get some wins. Kind of wacky on that side. All right, uh, appreciate you guys checking in and listening. Always super thankful to the crew here on the Jim Rome Show. Always appreciate the ask. Two days this week, they let me hang out on the show. It has been awesome. Happy New Year to everyone. Enjoy the college football playoffs the rest of the way and a huge weekend of NFL games. Happy New Year. Stay safe and healthy in 2023. Good night now!